All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Education Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jono. I am super excited because we have an absolute rock star on the line this week. Now, I know I say that about every guest every week, but this person is an actual rock star. What he's doing in the industry is amazing. A little bit about him. He's a personal trainer. He's also a personal edu- personal trainer educator, so he educates future personal trainers. Uh, he's got a degree in exercise physiology. He's completed over a dozen strongman competitions, and I believe he won the 2019 one as the, the strongest man in Illinois in his, in his class anyway. Uh, and he's now created a website and a, a resource, Cane and Able, which is a fitness resource for those people who are blind and visually impaired. Uh, and he's done all of this himself while he's been visually impaired. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Evan Schwerbrock. Evan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Yes, I'm awesome. And you're based here. You're still based in Illinois? Yes, sir. Peoria, Illinois. Awesome. You're still the strongest man in Illinois or is someone uh, beating your, your title there? Um, I never went back and defended it. So we'll, we'll <laughs> pretend that uh, still doing okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Evan, I stumbled across you. I read a blog that essentially shared your story and i'm like this guy's amazing i i gotta have him on the on the podcast every fitness professional in australia and the world is going to want to hear this story so i'm going to hand it over to you here can you tell us a little bit about tell us your story what happened and what are you doing now sure um so i i grew up a, a really skinny little nerd um people who have kind of seen the before picture said i looked pretty much like a, a lanky harry potter and uh was, you know, very academic and then uh, decided I, I didn't want to, you know, get beat up on the basketball court and stuff anymore and wanted to lift weights and kind of put a lot of my mental and intellectual energy towards that. Um, eventually wound up uh, getting my bachelor's degree from Bradley University over here in Peoria and uh, then started working in the industry. Um, it's about six months into that uh, post-graduation in November 2014. Uh, I started noticing some some issues with my site, and I thought it was just I needed a new contact prescription or something like that. Um, and then I got hit in the face playing volleyball at our local league, and that never happened. Um, and then later that game, I threw the ball up to serve, and it disappeared, and I just kind of waved my arm. Um, needless to say, I was not invited back to the volleyball team after that game. Uh, it, it didn't didn't go so well, and I, I don't blame them at all. Uh, turns out. <laughs> It was um, a genetic disease that uh, runs in my family. Um, it's uh, passed along to the males. And uh, it, if you have the gene, um, it's about 50-50 if it's actually going to develop in you or not. And the doctors kind of shrug and go, well, we, we, we had no idea. You know, um, It's called Leber's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy. So basically, uh, the mitochondria in my optic nerve um, are really inefficient. So it wound up leaving my, my optic nerve um, degenerated like crazy. Uh, it took about 
a week for it to go from, you know, being able to drive, being able to not get hit in the face with the vo- volleyball to, okay, it's, it's not safe to drive and everything anymore. So wow. I kind of uh, had my, my drive back from the, the eye doctor when we figured out this is probably what's going on, um, hung up the keys in my truck and, and, and we were done. So it was onto this, this part of my journey. Um, so the, the how, site how degradation. Old you, how, old, how old were you, Evan, if you don't mind me asking? I was uh, 22. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, so I was working a couple of different jobs, one at the YMCA, one in a community college, watching a fitness center, um, and kind of uh, faked my way uh, through both those jobs. Only one of the jobs actually knew about my disease and everything. Mm-hmm. They probably just thought I, you know, uh, had a ticket for drunk driving and lost my license and people were dropping me off now. Um so I just kind of survived that. And then uh, I had plans to go get my master's degree and decided I was, I was still going to do that. Um, I was applying at a bunch of different places. And then when this happened, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to University of Illinois, Chicago. My sister was living there, um, going to UIC as well. And I knew I would have a support system there. So I uh, kind of put it in God's hands and said, I, I'm going to grad school. I'm going to go to UIC. That's the way it's got to be. Um, fortunately I got in, uh, went off to Chicago, uh, no mobility cane or anything like that yet, you know, was still content trying to kind of fake my way through, um, until I was tripping over all kinds of stairwells. What was was your eyesight, uh, what was your eyesight like at that stage, if you could describe it? Yeah. So, um, I always use like a low key, uh, Star Wars reference where Han Solo gets out of the, the carbonite and then, uh, everything is super, super blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's basically that all the time with kind of like, uh, sparkles jumping around. So uh, another analogy I'll use is, um, I get some more in my peripherals, but I'm pretty dead down the middle with, with how this develops. And my left eye is worse than my right eye. So, um, I usually ask people if they've passed out before because it's kind of like where your vision gets really blurry and there's spots flying around everywhere. Gotcha. Um, and so like a good day is like the second before you pass out and a bad day is the moment before you pass out. Yeah, so wow. it's uh, a lot of controlling um, those, those sort of stimuli and that, that stress. And then also I'll get hallucinations. My brain is trying to make up constantly what is down the middle of my field of vision. So sometimes it's correct and sometimes it's not. So sometimes it won't see things coming and sometimes it will make me think things are coming that aren't actually coming. So um, it took a little bit to, to get used to that, uh, limit the headaches and uh, figure out what's real and what isn't basically. Gotcha. Um, and this was, so yeah, and this was uh, back, this, sorry, can, sorry, continue your story. So you were, you were stumbling all over the place you were kind of saying? Yes, uh, I was stumbling and uh, I'm pretty stubborn. So I was, I was kind of like, this is fine. It would be whatever. Um, but my sister's like, there's the Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind, like two blocks from where we live. We're going and we're getting you a cane right now. And that was uh, such a huge weight off my shoulders. I was able to become a lot more independent. Um, I was able to indicate to others, like I am not trying to run you off the sidewalk or something or accidentally staring at you at the gym or something. Um, instead, it was able to give me a lot more independence. So I learned to use that. Um, Two years later, finished my master's degree, uh, came back here to Peoria, and then um, I wound up with uh, several the several jobs that I have now. So I've been a trainer a couple of different places because um, I can kind of see how people's blurs are moving. And then with my biomechanics background, I know in context how things should be moving in relation to each other. So able to give some some cues there. Um, and then uh, 
what else? Uh, I'm also an adjunct professor at a community college, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, teaching future personal trainers to be trainers. So a lot more of the, the scientific and logic base behind it. Um, and then also, as you mentioned, uh, I got into strongman for, for some odd reason. Uh, not always sure why, especially after a workout. Um, and uh, that's kind of how we're rolling right now. Awesome. Give, I know we're going to dive later into Kane and Abel, but do you want to let us know a little bit now as well what you're doing at, at Kane and Abel? Yeah, uh, August 2020, uh, during lockdown and stuff, um, I'd had this thought sitting in the back of my head for a while, and it seemed like a good time to execute it. So uh, my family and I, uh, especially my brother Bryce, I was super critical with helping me start Cane and Able Fitness, um, which is our fitness resource for the visually impaired. Um, I realized just how uh, relegated to the sideline visually impaired people are um, with how many people doubted me and what I would do and uh, realized that um, especially not everyone has the support system that I have. So really wanted to, to make a difference and use uh, my blessings in order to reach out to others with visual impairments and empower them and give them the tools to succeed. Awesome. And we'll dive into that later in the podcast as well. Um, all right. So super inspirational, Evan. I think it's amazing what you're doing there. I'm curious in regards to kind of two things, I guess, let's start with your fitness routine. Did that change when your vision started to decline or was it the same or let us know a little bit about that? Um, it certainly uh, narrowed in a little bit. Um, so I, I had to figure out a lot of ways of uh, being able to do more in smaller amounts of space or being able to kind of do one thing at a time. Um, so for example, I can't do like the CrossFit workouts that I used to do with, uh, running involved, things like mm. that. Um, it's, it's a little bit more monostructural certainly. Um, and a lot more scouting out the terrain before I do something. So, uh, let's say I'm doing like yoke runs on the turf at my gym. Um, I have to make sure that the way clear, and then I'll throw down some sort of like large, bright, or very contrasted indicator of where I should stop. Uh, so then um, it's, it's a lot more uh, planning ahead. And for someone who uh, is as spontaneous as I certainly used to be, um, it was a little bit of uh, getting used to pre-planning things. Gotcha. What is your, and now in the gym, so you mentioned, I guess, the, the outdoor running's a no-go. Anything else that's just like completely changed or you don't do or stay away from? Um. Well, mirrors mean next to nothing to me. So I, I really enjoy that. Uh, it makes me uh, worry a lot more about performance. Um, mm. And then also uh, I'm able to be a little more introverted at the gym as well um, because my world is kind of this, this small little bubble. Um, so then I'm actually able to stay uh, a little bit more focused, which is a huge blessing. Gotcha. And what is like, what is, what does a standard workout look like for you now? Um, I'm kind of in the off season right now, trying to build things back up. Um, but typically I'll have like an overhead press day and then uh, a pressing accessory day. And then also, uh, probably a front squat day. Usually, um, I've got back squats in the program right now as well. And then usually a deadlift day and then some strongman events, uh, as well. And then there's a lot of upper back built in there too. So it kind of depends on if we're leading into uh, a contest or not. Um, I'll get more and more specific to the contest, uh, getting used to those things and all the, the weird logistics that there are with, uh, with strong men, especially with a visual impairment. So I'll kind of dial things in closer as we get. Question with um, the weight plates. 
man, my eyesight's pretty good. And sometimes I can't read those numbers on the weight plates or it's been scratched off or anything. Is that a drama at all for you? Uh, no, because um, I don't worry about being able to read them at all. Uh, I uh, kind of have my own little shake weight system. Um, okay. Not the infomercial, but uh, <laughs> if, if you watch me closely at the gym uh, and it's like smaller plates or the more tired I get, the harder it is to kind of differentiate the feelings because I get a little neuropathy in my feet and my hands as well. Okay. Um, I'll actually pick up plates out of, uh, you know, just off the rack there and kind of sh- give them a little shake and see if it feels like five pounds, 10 pounds, two and a half stuff like that. Um, and then That's I tend awesome. to memorize where a lot of things are as well. That's awesome. So tell me this, if you let, let's say you're not at the gym now and you're just, I don't know, picking something up, a water bottle, a, a brick or whatever you could feel, Hey, it's two pounds versus five pounds. Um, with those kind of things, I kind of feel like weight distributions. Um, gotcha. and I, I don't tend to worry too much about how much they weigh. Um, okay. I, I just make sure I'm not spilling something essentially. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Um, now what about as a trainer, Evan? So were you a personal trainer when you had full vision? Yes, I was. I was, um, well, I would train a lot of people in college and just have people, I, I tend to do like two, three workouts a day, um, in an undergraduate and, uh, I would have kind of different workout crews that I worked out with. So I was essentially like the head trainer for them. Um, and then I was training people for uh, six or eight months before my visual impairment kicked in as well. Gotcha. Changes there. What were the, the biggest differences there? Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Um, a lot of awareness of uh, what my actual limitations are and then making sure that I'm able to get all the right angles. So I'll kind of dart my eyes around and use my peripherals uh, the best I can. And then it was a lot more of not being able to just live in the moment and um, just hope that I caught on to issues. I kind of have a catalog of um, people's moving tendencies in my head. So I have more of an algorithm built in uh, to be able to determine what's likely going to go wrong or right or, or how to cue people. So um, it's just a little more mentally taxing and then focusing on, on the task at hand a lot more. Gotcha. Okay. Let's speak now. So a little bit less about you, Evan, and more just like the blind or visually impaired in general. Um, let's say there's a trainer listening to this or watching this. And they're like, all right, you know, I've got a client who's visually impaired or there's a person at the gym that's, that's visually impaired. What kind of tips can you give us there? What should that trainer do? And, and even like, let's go broad and holistic as well in terms of like being respectful. What should they ask? What should they not ask? Um, you know, the, and then the actual training side as well, what to be wary of, what are some, what can you share there? Um. Well, first I'll go uh, with with a quick story, probably. So uh, this will help inform people of, of how not to act, probably. Mm. Um, so 
a couple years ago, uh, long story short, I got hit by a truck. I was in the ambulance, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Um, I wound up fine and everything. Uh, but one of the EMTs kept going, hey, what's it like to be like, like blind and drunk? And I was like, bro, I don't, I don't I'm not really like, why are we talking about this? Mm. And then he would keep just like naming different like impairments that you could do to yourself. And like, what's it like being blind in this? And I was like, bro, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, so uh, weird things like that, probably not the way to go. If you're more professional about like, what's your visual acuity? Um, I just worked uh, down at a program called SOAR in St. Louis, actually uh, the shirt that I have on, um, where they're working with uh, visually impaired young adults, bringing them in is essentially a boot camp for them. So I was doing the, the fitness assessments and then being able to clear up some of their movements. And what worked really well was just asking what their visual acuity is. So if they're completely blind, that's one thing. If they're able to make out some contrasts or shapes, things like that, uh, you get to treat that slightly different. Um, so that really helps you to, to, in that initial intake process, be able to dial things in. Um, and then from there, tactile cues are huge. Um, so especially if they haven't had a lot of experience with a lot of fitness movements, um, there's, there's not necessarily a big push to make visually impaired people exercise too much, um, which mm. is the gap that we're trying to fill. Yep. So there'll be a lot of uh, lack of familiarity with, with these things. Um, so I would really push tactile cues. Um, and even if they're comfortable with like uh, a big example of at the, the camp I just worked, um, doing a hip hinge and then being able to feel that you're not just doing like a toe touch, but instead actually pushing your hips back and increasing that knee angle, even with the vertical shin, I would have them feel like the back of my knee and how that was actually bending. And mm -hmm. that really helped kick things in, uh, even for the young adults who were completely visually impaired. Um, so tactile cues is easily the, the best thing to, to really practice and get good at and figure out what cues work for your client. Gotcha. Okay. In terms of safety, you mentioned a few things you do. You make sure that when you're doing your runs, the floor's clear. You've got like a big um, thing there that will show you where to stop running. Any other safety tips you can give there? Any other things that like a trainer should really, and I know it's quite a general question because it depends what, where are they on the vision, on the, where is their visual acuity, right? But any sort of general safety tips you could give there? Yeah. Um, a big one that comes to mind is getting them used to uh, getting a barbell out of a rack and back in a rack. That is huge because um, especially with visual impairments, there tends to be other issues involved as well. And then even if there aren't, the equilibrium is, is really tough. So mm -hmm. you can wind up going sideways and not even realize it um, and, and kind of be off kilter. So uh, having people be able to practice bracing appropriately, step out, not too far from a rack or pull the bar out for a bench press and then being able to put it back against the rack and then slide it back onto the pins. That's a huge one uh, for safety. So then they're never you know, stranded after a heavy back squat or something like that. Um, those sensations of being able to move horizontally, hit the rack on both sides, solidify that and then slide down. Uh, that's a huge skill that's gonna open up uh, a lot more exercises for someone with a visual impairment, certainly. Um, and then making sure that uh, kind of other people are aware of the situation as well. Um, if you kind of need to be a blocker in order to, to make sure people aren't uh, crossing a visually impaired person's path too much or, um, you know, people are just on their phones all the time at the gym. Um, I almost run into people all the time. Um, and then like tripping hazards is, is another big one. So if there's like inconsistency of people actually putting the plates back and you know, things like that. 
um, making sure that kind of the way is clear or they're made aware of any sort of obstacles where it is. And then it's really going to lessen the stress so you can make the stress uh, actually just be the workout as opposed to trying to navigate and stay safe. Gotcha. Okay. In regards to group fitness classes as a, as a participant, uh, any suggestions there? Is that something, would a lot of visual impaired people do the class? Would they stay away? Tips for instructors? What, what can you kind of tell us there? Um, it would certainly be uh, not necessarily overwhelming, but a bit of a challenge. Um, one-on-one -on -one is certainly easier, but then a lot of us really want to work out with other people as well. So when it comes to uh, group fitness instruction, I would really encourage the instructors to give, again, a little bit more tactile cueing if, if need be, or just the, the verbal cues that uh, bring up the sensation someone should be going for. And then like, I've taken yoga classes. Um, I, I'm not very good at it, but uh, I've noticed that some positions, uh, an instructor would be really good at explaining what's going on and I'll be able to get in position on my own. Or sometimes the person with me or the instructor will have to come up and be like, hey, we're actually supposed to be doing this. Um, so the better and more clearly you can state where everything is gonna be in relation to each other, of course, in a, in a brief manner is gonna be really good. And then also, um, since as a visually impaired person, you don't know if someone's just like talking to you, like you can't be in a group mm -hmm. setting look at a blind person and be like, hey, do this. Uh, so using uh, a first name to, in order to really lock in attention and then give a very clear cue would be uh, much more efficient as well. Makes sense. Okay. What if there's someone watching this, listening this, Evan? Now, most people watching or listening to this will already be a personal trainer. Maybe they've got a friend or a family member, um, someone who's visually impaired and he's thinking of becoming a personal trainer. What sort of tips could you give that person? Someone's visually impaired and going to be a personal trainer. What are some things they should focus on to, to make it easier for them? Um, I would focus on your knowledge base. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big student of the game, so to speak. Um, constantly learning is going to be huge because people are going to doubt you um, whether they uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of doubt or um even worse, pity. So you have to be able to overcome that by just knowing more. Um, I, I've went and got extra certifications and then most of my free time is, is caught up in learning about these topics all the time because uh, I found that it really is the edge that kind of puts you over the top. Um, a lot of people can get these very basic certifications, but if you as a visually impaired person are able to then overcome that with uh, a little bit more advanced knowledge, that's going to be a, a huge feather in your cap. It's going to help a lot. And it really helps people to, to trust you and be able to build a clientele as well. So I would definitely start with that. And then honing your skills with, um, you know, family and friends or um, critiquing videos the best that you can, depending on your visual acuity and just being able to figure out your style of training people. And then once you start with clients, just make them understand like, hey, these are, these are my limitations. Um, this is, how it'll be, you know, you might have to tell me if a certain station is open or not, and then we'll head over there. Um, but whatever your system is, as long as you're very clear about things, it, it tends to go very well. Love it. Okay. Kane and Abel. Evan, tell us about this. Yeah. So, uh, Kane and Abel Fitness is, um, 
spelled C-A-N-E and A-B-L-E. Uh, I wanted to have a little bit of a biblical reference there, as well as make it clear that just because you have a cane, it doesn't mean that um, you're just disabled. Uh, you can be visually impaired and still be plenty capable of doing all kinds of things. Um, so I wanted to kind of uh, put a lot of fitness resources out there that I hadn't encountered and um, use my biomechanics and kinesiology background to, to do so and hope they would kind of fill a void. Um, so far, we've produced about 40 articles on our website, a um, couple hundred posts on Instagram and through Facebook, uh, our page on there. And then I started doing some seminar work as well. Um, so recently uh, I did uh, with uh, partnering with a, a dietitian, um, four different sessions for fitness and nutrition with the Central Illinois Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And I just got back from my second trip down to St. Louis to work at the SOAR camp, uh, working with visually impaired young adults as well. Um, so working on doing more uh, remote training, uh, we're working on an online course. And then uh, one really big thing that I, I always try to push is we've produced a free gym acclimation program, which is completely free on our website. Uh, there's accessible PDFs as well as um, an audio track uh, on YouTube where I go a little bit more in depth. And that gym acclimation program is specifically tailored to someone with a visual impairment who wants to get into the gym and doesn't really know where to start. So I built in different rep schemes, uh, different cardio devices to use, different uh, exercises to practice from a resistance training standpoint. And the most important part is these independence builders. It's kind of mm -hmm. like your to-do list or your checklist for the day where you do different things like uh, ask where the bathrooms are, um, ask where the locker rooms are, figure out where the cardio area is, um, practice loading a barbell with the appropriate amount of weight, things like that. So that you're able to kind of build those skills and capacities. So then you're able to just go to the gym and work out, not worry um, after several weeks of like where in the world an elliptical is or how am I going to use the cable machine? You will have within the three weeks of the program figured all of that stuff out. So I always uh, encourage people to, to be able to, to use that program in order to be that stair step into the gym so then they can do whatever they want to. Gotcha. Well, can you walk us through that process a bit, Evan? What, what does that kind of look like? Like, let's say, for example, you know, I was a, a visually impaired person. What would you suggest? What's the first thing I do when, when I walk into the gym? Or do I need to check things beforehand? Um, I'd probably need to check certain things before I sign up, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so first I would download uh, our, our free program um, because I think it would give you a bit of a, of a just a kind of a map of how to progress. And then the first day is actually built in is just an intro day, just figure out where things are in the gym, be able to ask help from an employee, kind of break the ice there, uh, make them more aware of your situation, as well as uh, make you more independent in uh, the capacity, just actually ask for help, right? That little bit of codependence is going to help down the road for you to be completely independent. Um, so once you get through the kind of that intro day that I have laid out where you, again, figure out where the most important things are. Like this is a cardio area. This is a stretching area. Uh, this is running track. Make sure you're not just standing here. Um, where are the weights at? Things like that. Um, once you kind of break the ice there, you're able to then figure out, okay, um, this is a general map of the environment. And this is how I need to, to navigate in order to make sure that I'm in the right area and able to do the right things. Um, so that, that little intro that, that we have built in is a great way to, again, just break that ice. Awesome. 
Awesome. Okay, cool. And then the website and, and social media, that's like tips for visually impaired people, right? If they want to start working out their different articles covering different topics on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm all over the place with that. Um, I have a bit of a nutrition background and everything as well. Uh, so cooking tips, uh, tactile tips. I have um, a program that is like an arm workout where you just use one cable stack and then you're able to just stay static in one place, but get a very holistic workout. Um, we have different full body workouts. Um, I talk about ketones and how that can sometimes help people's mitochondria. I'm all over the place with the articles. So then hopefully we're able to help people in a, a myriad of ways. Awesome. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you've got any clients or, you know, any gym members or, or friends or whatever it may be who are visually impaired, sounds like a good resource. I'll put the link down in the show notes. Um, Evan, that's pretty much all I wanted to get through today. Is there anything I should have asked you, but forgot to, or is there anything you'd like to finish us off with? Um, I would just say that no matter uh, anyone's perceived ability um, or if they have a disability of any kind, uh, they are certainly incredibly capable. Um, and within you know, all of us personal trainers, I know that everyone is trying to build people up and really helping them to maximize their capacities, whether your clients think they're capable or not. Um, so I would, I would encourage everyone listening to just kind of, uh, lead that charge of people being able to, to understand that just because you have some sort of perceived disability doesn't mean that you should just be put on the sidelines and you can't really do things. Um, there's all kinds of, uh, adaptations to be made and, um, it's, it's a really fun adventure figuring out what those accommodations and adaptations should be. Awesome. All right, Evan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Really appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Well, check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.